Welcome to the Waymaker Fireside Chat Podcast, where our purpose is to grow your life and change the world. In this episode, we're sitting down with celebrity tailor, fashion icon, and self-described drip god, Rich Fresh. Louis Carr is a founder of Waymaker, the Louis Carr Internship Foundation, the Blueprint Men's Summit, president of media sales at BET Networks, and author of Dirty Little Secrets. Rich Fresh is a celebrity tailor with recognizable clients like Kevin Hart, John Legend, and President Barack Obama. Rich has worked diligently to make a name for himself in the fashion industry, his products being recognized in mediums such as Oprah Winfrey's 2021 Favorite Things list. Rich has a multitude of wisdom, advice, and encouragement to share with listeners pertaining to their own journeys. Let's get started. Hi, I'm Lewis Carr, founder of Waymaker. And today at the Waymaker Fireside Chat, we have the privilege of talking to Mr. Rich Frash, my very, very good friend and the person who keeps me fresh. How you doing, my brother? I'm doing fantastic, man. I'm honored to be here. I'm honored to honored to be part of your your Waymaker series, man. This is this is amazing. Well, clearly you have been a Waymaker for so many people, and we're gonna get into that. Uh, but Rich, the world knows you as Rich Fresh. What is your birth given name, and how did you come up with Rich Fresh? So my birth name is Patrick Henry. Um, my dad's name is Patrick Henry, so I'm a junior. Okay. And so that's my name. I, I'm 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 two first names. Uh, okay. And so you know, I was you know pretty born. You know, my nickname was Patrick. I didn't have a nickname. It's Patrick or Pat, but that was it. So um, when I got to San Diego, I I didn't know anyone in San Diego, and. I, I figured I could tell people my name is whatever I wanted to be. So I told people that my name was Philip, just to mess with people. So for like <laughs> two years, everyone called me Philip, just because I told them that was my name. Um, and then and before I moved to Los Angeles, I decided I'd change my name to Rich. Um, because I liked, I, I liked the idea of saying it to the universe enough so that it becomes true. If I say I'm rich and I'm rich, I'm rich, eventually I just reason that the universe won't be able to decipher between it being the name or being my you know, economic status. So I started calling myself rich um, and it just made me kind of move a little different. So that's where the rich part came from. Um, the fresh, the fresh is more so like the brand, like the brand is rich fresh just cause that's, fresh is like where I'm from. Um, if you're fresh, it's like the highest. That's the highest. You can't you can't be better dressed than fresh. Like it's fresh as like you can add lots of things on the end of fresh, but fresh is higher than well dressed or stylish or sharp. Fresh is it. That's 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 the pinnacle. So um, rich fresh. So I just combine the two together, build that as a brand. Uh, now, actually, I go by fresh. I don't even really call myself rich anymore. I go by fresh because it's more of a character. Like, I know people named Rich, you know. I was talking to a girl one day, and she's like, oh, yeah, my uncle's name is Rich. I was like, yeah, but, like, hmm. But I bet you don't know anyone named Fresh, do you? You know, I was like, you know what? I, I need to be more of a of a character. And, and this is 
this is what I represent. When you look at me, if I tell you my name is Rich, it doesn't tell you what I do. It doesn't tell you what I represent. If I tell you my name is Fresh, you get it. You understand what I'm about. Got it. Great. So the world has described you as a celebrity stylist, designer to the stars. Uh, how do you describe yourself? I've got it in my bio. I've got a fashion megastar, celebrity tailor, drip god. Um, I saw someone in an article uh, quoted me as a fashion megastar. I thought it was so cool. So I took that. Um, I call I started, you know, I'm a tailor, you know, I'm a tailor more so than I'm a fashion designer. I'm just a tailor who understands fashion because I'm a fashion design consumer. So um, I just decided with Rich Fresh, like I could have done it as a normal custom tailoring thing. I just decided I wanted to have a designer's aesthetic, but still do custom clothing, um, but have something that's recognizable. Um, and so, you know, that's what, um, that's what, like, that, that's, that's the way that I decided to move different with, with, um, with the brand, um, you know, starting off and, and, and making it custom and doing it that way. So I still consider myself a celebrity tailor. And I also use that term to get celebrities. I didn't have any celebrity tailors and I call myself a celebrity tailor. And I got the celebrity tailor, so I mean the celebrity clients. So I like that title of celebrity tailor. Um, but I'm an entrepreneur, you know. I'm a guy that just I landed in LA, didn't really know anyone, and I said I'm going to figure out how to make some money. I'm going to provide a service, a product, and I've been able to build two companies just off of that type of you know mindset. Now, traditionally, most fashion designers are designers and someone else is the tailor, right? So you've sort of done it the reverse. Where did you learn tailoring from? It's self-taught. It's just something I wanted to do. I, I taught myself how to sew when I was 13. I just found a sewing machine and real covertly, like I, I couldn't tell my family that I'm sewing because they would not have got it. Um, but I taught myself how to use a machine and I, I fell in love with the process of making something from nothing. And then um, just in my early, you know, like when I was 20, I decided I'd, I'd call myself a tailor so I could do alterations um, and make money with the sewing machine. You know, again, just being an entrepreneur. Um, and I just taught myself how to do all the things, how to do hems, how to take in the waist, how to change a zipper, how to do this. And as I got better, you know, I started just getting more jobs. like. I never went to school. I never did any apprenticeship. I would just challenge myself. I would teach myself how to do something. Um, and I mean, I've never gone to fashion school. I've never looked at a fashion book. I just, I think I know what it takes. So um, yeah, uh, all of this is self-taught. You know? So most people look at you sort of as an overnight sensation, right. but is that really true? No. <laughs> um, <laughs> I mean, it seems like it all happened overnight because, you know, again, you know, as, 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 as the legend has it, you know, one day I'm picking myself up off the street. I got a few hundred dollars in my pocket. And, you know, a year later, I've, you know, made a million bucks. So to a lot of people, that seems, that's pretty damn overnight. But 
it took 18 years of struggle <laughs> without quitting to finally have a formula that got me that kind of result in a year's time. So it's not, it's definitely not overnight success. It's a, I'm, I'm a 20 year success, um, but people are just not catching on to it. I met you via social media. Right. I happened to, you popped up on my timeline and I looked through and you know, I'm, I'm a fashion horse. Uh, and I saw some things I like, so I inboxed you and you inboxed me back and everything else has been history. So was social media your strategy to sort of drive business and awareness of who you were? Uh, was that intent or did that just happen by accident? That was my entire intent. So I'm an introvert, like I'm a super introvert. Um, I absorb energy and I'm an empath, so I don't really deal with a lot of people. Um, so I can't like go into office buildings and slang cars around and go to all the mixers and do all the stuff. It doesn't work for me. Um, and like, you know, I used to, I used to have alcohol problems. So, you know, I'm sober. So like being in those environments, it's like, no, nah, that's, that's not going to work for me. How can I put this out here consistently? I got to use social media. I can be very out there because I'm not really dealing with people physically. So I can put myself out there on social media. Let me figure out a formula and I can use social media to actually contact people who I want to get in contact with. So that was my entire strategy. Let me use Instagram and um, see if I can build uh, a fashion brand. I think when I first met you, you probably had maybe 10,000 followers and now you're close to up on Instagram over 100, right? Something no, close no, to it. 81 or 82. 81 or 82 followers. So you're on social media several times a day. Do you like social media? Since you just told us you're an introvert, all right? Do you like social media or you look at it when you get on it like, I got to go to work? Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's work. Like, I don't mind it. I like it. You know, I like what I do. So, um, you know, I like... I like formulas that work. When something works, I don't like to change it. And I know the more that I put my stuff out there, the more I'm continuing the narrative that I'm a luxury fashion house. So I can't stop doing that. Uh, I do, people always ask like, man, you do all these lives all the time. Why do you do these lives? And I do that as somewhere like a ministry. Like, you know, um, people, I mean, I'm very transparent with my story. So people know that like, I got a somewhat of a rags to riches tale. And just like, you know, just having to overcome some shit and make like mental changes. So I like to go on and, 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 and like just talk to people about, you know, mental progress and, you know, shaping their reality and manifestation as a form of ministry. Because there's someone who needs to hear the like, however bleak their scenario is. There's a whole community of people who are dealing with bleak scenarios and we're finding ways to power through it. Because if you don't know that there's someone like you or there's someone who's been where you're going sometimes man, you don't even want to go through it you just like man look i ain't even no other side sometimes you need to see what the other side might possibly look like so i use it as, as a ministry to just help people like deal through shit and grow when you started out did you intend to drive culture or you were just doing your thing and it just happened to sort of be the hottest thing out or was culture on your mind 
and, and the reason I ask you that question is because I, I follow you and I look at your posts. I mean, it's cars, it's houses, it's, it's all aspirational. So was culture part of that strategic strategy? Yeah, I mean, I don't think it was. I, honestly, there was no real strategy. It was really just like, just get started and don't mess up. Um, but I know like who I am. I know I'm a real, I'm a real type person. When I have conversations, I don't talk about like silly things. Um, I like to talk about things that are fruitful. Uh, or just have some some substance. So even though I'm showing clothes, it's like, you know, and I'm I'm from the Kenneth Cole era. You know, Kenneth Cole would always have some type of social message. Like some there's he's taking some social responsibility and he's ingraining it in his marketing and his messaging. So it's like, all right, cool. I got social media. Let me let me make sure that people know I'm not just like a pretty face that makes clothes. Like I've got something going on up here. Um so I don't think it was intentional. Um I think, you know, I mean, that's just how I communicate. That's just how I am. Like, if you hang around me, I'm not the friend that's talking to you about the TV shows and the bullshit. I'm talking about a book I may have read or a, a trip I'm planning on taking or just a breakthrough that I've, I've just broken through. Um, but I think the whole thing showing, like, the lifestyle, that was more intentional because part of what I'm doing, you know, I, I made this promise to myself, like, a long time ago when I first got in tailoring. Cause there was no one I could look to that was like a model, like, damn, I want to do that. It was either rapping or hooping, or maybe you'd be a movie star. <laughs> um, but if not that, you better take your ass to college. You better get a good job. Otherwise you stuck. And I was like, man, but you know, if men weren't so damn macho, they take the sewing machine, they figure out how to get in the game. They can make some money. You know what I'm saying? They can take care of their families. And even women, like just knowing that it's more than just doing little things, sewing on buttons, like, no, nah, how can you take this machine and really turn it into something? So I wanted to take tailoring and make it look so cool that other people would aspire to do that. Like they would just see it as another option. Like, oh damn, I could also figure out how to do something in fashion because it's a dude, he's young and he's cool. And he's he's got a lifestyle just like the ball players. Um, and I don't have to be 6'4", I can just apply myself. So in regards to your overall business vision, are you on track to what you envision today or uh, do you keep raising the bar for yourself uh, every couple of weeks or every month? Where are you in that <laughs> journey right now? Um, I mean, I'm definitely on track. Like I'm on track, but the bar is always raising. You know, it's always, I, I, I have not hit my like, big, I mean, I haven't hit my big goal yet. I hit a lot of small goals, but they're just small and they lead up to a bigger one. And if I hit the bigger one, then I just raise it even higher. Um, I don't like to get comfortable because um, this is fun for me. Like this is my sport and I'm very competitive. So I have to compete with myself. I don't have anyone challenging me to be better. So it's just like, it's how I'm, it's how I'm wired. You know, I always want to, I always want to outdo myself. When you look in the rearview mirror, and I say that because I know you like cars, mm -hmm. what were some of the critical decisions that you made that you really had to think about? Like, you know, if I do this, I blow up. If I do this, I bust. 
What were some of those decisions that you had to deal with? I think it was more so, it was two things like who I work with for sure. I was very, I was very careful about who I work with. Um, you know, I, I would just research people. Like there were some athletes that had some big, you know, stains on them. It's like, nah, I can't, I can't work with you. Um, and it's just people who like, I just didn't feel we're gonna go in the right direction. Um, you know, just energy, just like reading people. So that was one thing that I'd be really mindful of is who am I associating myself with as a early brand? Um, and the second thing was just, you know, uh, I did not do any of this the traditional way. I didn't do this the business plan way. And I kind of didn't want to, you know, I was like, I can't, I can't explain what I want. So I just have to make sure that I stay true to it. You know, I'm going to spend a lot of money to make clothes that I'm not going to even sell just to show them. But like, it doesn't make sense, but I have this inner compass that bets big and it usually wins. And I just had to make sure that like, I stay true to the impractical voice because there's so many people trying to give you a lots of logical, practical advice. And sometimes you have to like, listen to that thing that's not practical, that's still in the dream world, you know, that can make magic happen. You have a lot of celebrity clients from Kevin Hart to John Legend, uh, Lena Wade, Anthony Anderson, Dwayne Wade. Uh, how did that happen? Did they seek you out or you sort of just put yourself in front of them? I put myself in front of, I think I put myself in front of all of them. Um, I had a lot of their names on a, a, like a, sort of a vision board. You know, I, I put people's names on a list. And I usually get those names. Um, I know Kevin's name was on the list. John Legend's name was on the list. Um, like Obama's name was on the list. I just had some really big names on this wish list. And so I went after their stylist, you know, at least for Kevin and John, I went after their stylist and just put myself in front of them. I'm like, hey, I'm this person. I can do this amazing thing. I think it might be a resource. Keep checking me out. And I just stayed present where you could keep like seeing me. Um, and then, you know, with others, I just, in some of my dealings, you know, if I came in contact with the stylist and I find out that her client, you know, is Anthony Anderson, I'm going to ask for Anthony. You might not want to give me Anthony right now because, you know, you've got another relationship or, but I want Anthony and I'm going to keep asking you for Anthony because I know I should have Anthony. I have a product that Anthony would love. I should have Anthony. Hey, what's up with Anthony? You got Anthony? Hey, how's Anthony? Is Anthony good? Uh, where's Anthony? You know, and eventually you're going to give me Anthony. And then when I get Anthony, I got Anthony, you know, so like that. Lena, same thing. It was on social media. I saw she was watching my stories and I just sent her a DM like, yo, what's up? You know, I see you doing your thing, you know, respect. And she was like, yo, I love your clothes. <laughs> like, shit, prove it. She was like, what? I was like, what's up? Where you at? Like, I'm in LA. I'm like, if you like it, then you should have put a pin on it. <laughs> Put a pin on it. Where you at? Drop me a pin. And I pulled up on it the next day and we just hung out and it's been, it's been love ever since. So when the pandemic hit last year, you made this major pivot to mass, the, the, the Henry mass that uh, clearly has been extraordinarily successful for you. 
How did you make that decision? What was that day like or what was that week like that you said, I'm making this turn right here and the focus on mass? Uh, it was wild um, because, you know, Rich Fresh business has really come to like a standstill because nobody's going anywhere. Like no one's ordering expensive clothes to stay at home. So, and you know, I didn't have a, a product to sell online. So all my, you know, in contact business was up. Um, and you know, what we didn't do was panic. We never panic. Like we never, we never panic. We didn't stop paying any of the rent. I had expensive uh, house in the hills. I never stopped any of the thing. Hell, I bought another car. You know, I just kept moving as if God was still God. Um, you know, I'm very faithful. So I'm like, no, nah, I can't move in a panic state and talk like I ain't panicking. You know, I got to move like I expect a solution. Um, and so I just kept moving. And, uh, you know, to the dismay of everybody around me. <laughs> but, you know, I'm making moves and like, you know, my family was there with me. My brother was at the house. My mom was at the house. So we're all calm because I'm not frantic. I'm not frantic and I'm, I'm making sure that all these things are taken care of. So since we calm, you know, we just going on hikes, we chilling, you know, we enjoying our time. And my brother would always ask me like, yo, bro, you need to make a mask, bro. You need to make a rich, fresh mask. And I was like, no, nah, I'm not gonna do that because I don't want to make an expensive mask. And at the same time, I don't want to seem like rich, fresh, just really need some money. So I just make a mask just by some shit. <laughs> um, so I was like, nah, this is not, that's not for me. Then one day we needed to make an order for um, like a bunch of clothes. So I own my factory. I got, you know, I had 13 tailors. And so I was like, all right, cool. We need to get all tailors in. We need to get them working. Cool, we got this work. Let's sneak them in. We wasn't even supposed to get them in, but I needed to find face masks for them. And we couldn't find any. We looked everywhere and we could not find anything. It was like, it was months. It was backed up for months. It made no sense to me. Like, are you serious? Like, I'm, I'm a tailor, I can make a mask. So I went down to the factory and I just made a mask for my tailors. Um, later that night, I came up to the house and a buddy of mine uh, from Memphis FaceTimed me and asked, he's like, hey man, you know, how's your day been? I showed him the mask and within two weeks, he bought like 6,000 of them to resell because he, he was out of them too. So he was like, oh shit, I'm, I'm gonna flip these real quick. And so after that, you know, we were just going down to the factory, just doing something, keeping our staff working. We wanted to keep people working. That was our mindset. Let's just keep the people working. Um, and then I just looked at my brother one day and I told him, let's not hustle this. Let's turn this into a business. You know, our last name is Henry. Let's turn this into like a family thing. Let's call this brand Henry. Let's make this a, a subscription model. Like, let's do this for real, for real. We're going to do this. Like, let's do this for real, for real. I got some money set aside. Let's mean you build this out. Turn it into something. Wow, congratulations. Uh, clearly you. you have established yourself uh, as one of the premier masks uh, during this pa pa pandemic. And uh, you're, in, you're in Nordstrom's now? Are they? Nordstrom, Amazon, uh, we about to be in Target. Like we, yeah, moving. Wow, uh, that's great. So tell us about your 
style philosophy. You see documentaries on Tom Ford, you see right. documentaries on Ralph Lauren, and they all talk about their style philosophy. And, you know, Tom Ford is, has a very rigid style, creative, but it's very rigid. Right. Uh, tell us about uh, fresh style philosophy. Um, my style philosophy, surprisingly, I'm a minimalist. Um, I just like color. Like I like color because you can feel color. Like color emits emotions for me. I'm one of those people, um, there's this thing, um, I'll remember the word for it, but like I can look at colors and I can feel them, you know, like they can make you feel happy or sad or hungry or um, ambitious. Like it's just how you mix your colors. So I like using that, um, using colors for that purpose, but I just like to keep it simple. I like things that are simple, that are comfortable and that are tailored and timeless. You know, I don't want things that keep you stuck in a certain last season, you know, and you can't wear it again. Like, I like the idea of just having pieces you don't have to think about. You can just grab it, put it on, feels great, looks great. And I'm huge on quality. So that's just my thing. Um, you know, I don't have RFs all over the place because that's not tasteful to me. I like to find more creative ways to brand my stuff. So I use the stripes, the yellow tab, because it makes me actually work for it. We here at Waymaker Community, we believe that every successful person has had a Waymaker along the way. Mm -hmm. uh, tell us about some of your Waymakers. I will say my father for certain, like he's, he's my number one Waymaker. Because uh, he was a self-made guy, you know, he grew up poor, he put himself through school, got his MBA, you know, built himself up as a salesman, um, you know, took very, very, very good care of us uh, and just showed us like what that was like, what hard work was like, you know. So I got to saw, I got to see his way of being and what he instilled in me. He always instilled greatness. He was always like, you have to be greater than me. Here's how, here's some resources. He was big on, on that. So um, I have to commend my father for that. Um, also, you know, there was a guy, Michael Thomas. I got to shout him out. He was a young tailor in Memphis. He was maybe 10 years older than me, but he was the youngest, flyest guy I'd ever seen as a tailor. And he made suits, you know, and at one point he was making them in his factory. And I just thought that was the coolest thing. And he would just let me come and hang out. Like I had my own, alterations business at the time. I was doing it for a bunch of cleaners. But just like on my chill days, just going and being around that energy and just seeing how like their charisma and how they dealt with each other. And like, it was just really cool. Um, and it kind of set a bar for me. It's like, okay, if you're gonna do it, you gotta do it flat like this or you can't do it at all. Um, and he just always, you know, he always put me up on game. Like to this day, you know, I go back to Memphis. He's one of the people I, I'm able to connect with and you know, still get some gain from them. That's great. So as you were building your business, man, you went from a small business to a medium-sized business now to a large business, which is kind of similar to the, the path that BET went, you know, from a very small business to a medium-sized business to a big business. What were some of the adjustments and what were some of the things that you had to do differently at each of those stages that sort of made you sort of come out of your comfort zone and say, hey, 
I've got to do this now based on the size of my business. And these are the type of things I've got to consider. Uh, for all of our listeners who are uh, entrepreneurs out there. Mm-hmm. Um, I think phase one, you know, like Rich Fresh is only three and a half years old and Henry's like a year and a, a couple months. Um, so they're still, you know, both in the early stages, but I know when Rich Fresh first kicked off, um, my biggest hurdle, the thing I had to like do mentally was, I had to be cool with the idea of hiring people to do the things that I should not be doing um, and paying them, you know what I'm saying? Like, because it puts me in a state of, okay, that, that means you have to consistently make money because you have people who are relying on you to pay. Uh, so, you know, it, 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 that was one of the first hurdles for me. And once I, once I got that one, it, it became, it just became a responsibility and it became fun for me. Like, okay, cool, this is your responsibility. So just go do the thing you're responsible for and they'll do the thing they're responsible for. And you actually cover more ground because you make more money doing the thing you're responsible for. You don't make money doing the thing they're responsible for. Hmm, wow, okay. Let me hire someone else. Well, let me find other areas of things I should be doing. Okay, let me hire someone else for that too. And I got real comfortable with that. And just like, you know, you hear it all the time, it costs to be the boss. Like it does, you gotta pay the rents, you gotta pay the things, you gotta pay the fees, the taxes, the the insurances, the, all this stuff. And it's like, hmm, you know, I think growing up, certain people would view that as like a negative. Oh no, you don't want all that. Man, all that overhead, you don't want all that stuff. Man, look, you wanna keep it just you, just do everything yourself. When you keep all the money yourself, you don't grow that way. So that, that was thing number one. I had to get comfortable with like, paying the cost to be the boss, hire people and pay the cost to be the boss. Um, the second thing um, was just like, you know, you gotta pay more costs now. Now you gotta pay like PR and advertising and you gotta like have bigger goals, you know? Um, I couldn't have done Henry without having a partnership mentality. You know, I did Rich Fresh by myself, but like to do Henry, I had to be able to like relinquish a certain amount of control to my brother, you know, and trust his ability to do his thing. So sometimes, you know, when you, when you grow to certain phases, you have to align with someone else. My brother's a, a genius when it comes to production. He can build things, you know. I'm really good at creating things. If I had tried to do his thing, I would have failed. And if he tried to do my thing, he would have failed but us utilizing each other's strengths and respecting each other and like respecting the partnership, we were able to grow into phase two. And now phase three is just like, you know, understanding our responsibility, not just to ourselves as a company, but to the community that we fostered. Like we've built that community that's relying on us for something. So this is more than just make some money, pay some bills. This is like, we have to consistently provide a product and a, and a level of service to our customers and then more products that we feel they're gonna need. Like we're evolving uh, into a CPG brand to just provide more of the products that we know our customers are gonna need consistently. They're gonna consume them, they're gonna need them. So I think the, the just the third phase is just like, how do you grow from where you're at and not get comfortable? Like it's easy to make a million dollars and say, oh my God, I made a million dollars, I'm straight. I just make a million dollars every year for the rest of my life. Woohoo! But not really. 
but not really. You know, it's like, but why? If I could double that next year. And then it's just a game. Like, so just not getting comfortable, you know, or lethargic in your growth. Like, enjoy the process of challenging yourself. Keep growing. Great. Who are the fashion designers that you most admire? I most admire, I mean, my top three is Ralph Lauren, um, Tom Ford, and Oswald Boateng. Um, you don't hear Boateng's name too much in the States, but those of us who know, know. And, you know, the thing I admire about, I'm gonna start with Boateng, um, is A, he's black. He's a, he's a black man, he's an African man who did something unprecedented in a non-black environment. He was the first black tailor to have a shop with his name on Savile Row in an era where black tailors would barely even get occupation at a white establishment. You got your own establishment. And he was a young man. He was like, wasn't even 30 years old, I don't think. So he did something like was just completely unprecedented. Um, and just his swagger, like him being like, you know, the type of man, they, you know, just like, I, I didn't see that. So just seeing a cool dude in this space was different than seeing what I was used to seeing. So it was very, it was very necessary for me to have that experience. Um, it helped shape like what's possible. Oh shit, okay, well then that is possible in this space. I don't have to conform. I can't actually like, you know what I'm saying? move like I move. Um, Ralph Lauren, because he built the, the biggest fashion empire um, from a necktie and from being different. He made his neckties wider and he refused to make them smaller. They initially said, we'll buy these, but you have to make them smaller, make them skinnier and take that, take that logo off of it. And he said, no, and left. And they called him back and said, ah, you know what, we'll, we'll take him. Like he stuck to his guns and he, he, he took that and he built an empire on it. And this kid was an immigrant, he was a Jewish immigrant. So I don't think that was really just an environment like, well, not like he was just known for doing fashion. So he had to go out there and hustle and just do some things that weren't expected. Um, and he's single-handedly, he's crafted what American fashion is. Like Ralph Lauren has crafted American fashion. Um, so like, he's just, is a visionary. Like you can't, you can't not admire Ralph, I feel. Uh, Tom Ford, because I remember Tom Ford when Tom Ford was a Gucci. I remember Tom Ford when Tom Ford was a Perry Ellis. But when Tom Ford went over to Gucci, you started really seeing Gucci look like something. Um, and we all know I'm not a huge fan of the brand now, but we saw him make it sexy. And so I like Tom Ford's ability to make clothing sexy. He has a sexy upscale mentality, but it's not staunch and like unapproachable. He makes it sexy and like, man. Uh, and you know, I met Tom Ford. And when I met him, the thing I noticed about him was he was his brand. He didn't design something that was off base with who he is. He designed clothes that he wanted to wear and built a whole universe around that. So when it was time for me to roll out Rich Fresh, I said, I'm gonna do it the way Tom Ford did it. 
I want to build a brand based off stuff I want to wear and what I generally want to see the people around me wearing. That's, that's great. Great answer. Now, speaking of Tom Ford, he says that he takes a bath whenever he needs to make critical decisions. Mm -hmm. What does Rich Fresh do when he has to make critical decisions? <laughs> Rich Fresh? <laughs> Rich Fresh smokes some blunt and, and sips some tea. Um, <laughs> yeah, I just, you know, I'll go for a walk, you know. I got a really nice view um, in the hills. So I look at nature. I go talk to a tree. Um, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll smoke some weed perhaps, um, drink some tea. Like I just, I like to relax, you know, cause everything comes to me so easily. Like when I'm just in a space of receiving. Um, so yeah, when I need to tap into something, I just, I get cool. I throw on some jazz, something to match the environment that I want to, I want to create for a certain time frame or a certain vibe Then I just turn on something like, you know, create that element in a sense and just, just let it, just let it happen. Okay. Uh, let's go into what we call this lightning round. All right. Where I'm looking for quick, quick answers to these questions. Mm -hmm. All right. You ready? Yeah. Favorite car brand? Maserati. Favorite hotel? Um, I had this one. Uh, the um, Waldor. Waldor, yeah. Favorite rapper? Lil Baby. Okay. Top actor? Brad Pitt. Top actress? Angela Bassett. Okay. Favorite city in the world? Los Angeles, California. Oh, that's shocking. Business suit, tracksuit? Tracksuit. Favorite hair color? Blue. The song that best describes you? Um, Thundercat, Dragon Ball Do-Rag. Okay. <laughs> Favorite meal? Um, Crossroads, their calamari, they got a mushroom calamari, it's delicious. But any vegan meal, but if you had that mushroom calamari, that's just icing on the cake. All right. Final question, Rich. Um, you've talked about Waymakers that have helped you, your father. Who are some of the people or organizations that you are trying to impact as a waymaker? I know as Henry is going to be doing a lot, we want to really get involved with combating hunger. That's always been a thing for us. Um, I think philanthropically, that, that's how we even got started wanting to do philanthropy was like wanting to make sure that kids had meals. Like, I just hate the idea of people not being able to eat food in the US. Um, so I know we want to really get involved with organizations that are heavily invested in making sure that America eats food and healthy food. 
um, particularly our kids. Um, but I know me personally, I want to inspire, you know, the next generation of entrepreneurs, not just fashion entrepreneurs or fashion designers, but people who want to contribute to society, you know, and make a change and provide for their family. You know, I want to inspire black people to like defy the norms. I want to inspire black men to be themselves and not dumb it down or cut it off, like be who you are. Provide the value, provide the service, be yourself, be authentic. Um, that's it, you know, the next generation of people who are going to lead the next generation. Uh, I like, I'd like to do something to inspire them. That's great. Thank you for that. One final question, man. And I see you kind of easing into a, a women's line. Mm -hmm. When are you going to go just full blast? You know, there's a big market out there. And I know they're waiting. They are waiting. Um, I'm actually um, I'm debuting the women's line uh, the beginning of September. Okay. Fashion week? Uh, just before, yeah. Just no, no. Fashion, fashion week is, is uh, first week in September? First or second. Oh, okay. I thought it was second. Well, yeah. Well, I'm debuting it first. Um, okay. The, the, the first week of September. Uh, so I think it's going to be around September 6th. Very excited. I've already, I've got, um, I'm looking at some of the pieces now and they're very special. Okay. Well, uh, my wife got a birthday on September 10th. All right. She started her career in the fashion industry. That's a whole nother story. All right. She, she used to be a model and used to be a buyer and, and, and all of that. So y'all would have a whole lot in, 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 in common. So I'm going to make that introduction and then tell you to be easy on, on my wallet. All right. Absolutely. You know, I got you. <laughs> Rich Fresh, this has been amazing. Uh, you clearly are uh, leading culture. Uh, you are making an impact on entrepreneurs who uh, are following your success. You are making an impact on the fashion industry. And uh, so proud of you. Uh, so excited to be a part of your universe. And uh, we here at Waymaker uh, want you to know that we appreciate you having this conversation with us. And we look forward to you being on the cover of the winter issue of Waymaker. Thank you, my brother. I'm so excited. Louis, I, I appreciate you, man. From day one, you've just been, um, I was like, is this guy really like, this guy, because you just popped up out of nowhere. Like, is this guy really real? And you were so cool and like such, um, you know, like a waymaker yourself. You know, someone to definitely look up to. And like, this guy carries himself in a manner that that commands respect. You know what I'm saying? Like, everyone, anyone who I've ever encountered that's spoken your name, speaks it as if they're speaking about a king. Like so, they 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 revere you so highly. So, you know, it's 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 been it's been an honor getting to know you and being part of your space as well. And getting this cover is a, is a huge honor. Yeah, it's, it's 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 a really big deal to us here, at Waymaker Man. And you know, I call myself a student of successful people, and you clearly are a teacher because you you happen to fall in that space that I have a passion for, as you know, okay. and. You know, when you put that line in, and I, I, I saw your response on social media about that line. You know, that told me you pay attention to the smallest details because the line, it could have just been brown. 
All right. But when I'm like, woo, because we didn't even talk about the line. All right. Yeah. And yeah. you took it to another level, man. So thank you so much. Uh, appreciate everything that you do. And uh, we'll be supporting you and following you all the way. Oh, man, I appreciate you. Thank you, Waymaker. Thank you so much for listening to this conversation between Lewis Carr and Rich Fresh. What did you enjoy about this episode? Let us know on our social media at Waymaker Culture. You can find Rich Fresh on Instagram at Rich Fresh. Don't forget to claim your first six months of the Waymaker Journal free at WaymakerJournal.com. And be sure to enter the Waymaker giveaway by going to WaymakerContest.com. Subscribe to the Waymaker Fireside Chat podcast to get notifications each time we release an episode. 